Thanks for coming today. Glad you're here. We're in our series called One Hit Wonders, where we're talking about you know artists who skyrocket up and then they're gone tomorrow and how none of us want our life to be a one-hit wonder. How do we keep our lives from being just this one-hit wonder? The enemy is out to make your life a one-hit wonder. He's doing all he can to dismantle the plans that God has for you so that you'll just kind of fade away. And so today we're going to talk about bad days and bad seasons. Would you stand? We're going to read some scripture together. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and Honestly, I'm having you stand not just, um, let, let, let me just be transparent, okay? I'll just be real. I'm not having you just stand for the scripture. I'm also having you stand because if you need a bathroom break, now's your opportunity to sneak out quietly. Um, because the one thing I hate that for you is, there you go, some people taking advantage. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, give them some love in Jesus' name. Yeah, way to go. But here's the thing, because here's what's going to happen here in a moment. We're all going to sit down, and then in the middle of my message, you're going to be like, oh man, I did not take advantage of that. And then you're going to have to get up and everybody's going to be like, I know what they're doing. So you have been warned. Um, Also though, uh, seriously though, I do know that sometimes when I'm in the middle of a message, you get, uh, there's an emergency that you have. You do not have to wait when you have an emergency. Uh, But when you come back in, they they can have a place for you where you can sit in the back and just so it helps everybody around you. Uh, so we're in this series called One Hit Wonders, 1 Samuel chapter 23. If you're new to church and new to the scriptures, download version, a great app, and you're going to look for the events tab. Under the events tab, look for Core Church, and right there you'll see all the scriptures. you also see a lot of different things that we've been talking about, how you can get involved, and, and different things that are going on here in our uh, faith community. So a great app for you. But 1 Samuel 23, and if you are new to scripture, let me kind of give you some background on this. This is a story about David. David is the guy who killed Goliath and then became king of Israel. This is a thousand years before Jesus. And this is in the time in between when he killed the giant and he finally became king. So what you may or may not know about David is he was a shepherd and and then he killed Goliath. The king loved him, brought him into the palace. The problem was King Saul was mentally ill. And because he was mentally ill, he got very jealous of David and wanted to kill David. And so David had to run for his life. So here's David, supposed to be king of Israel. He ends up out in the, just the wilderness, moving from place to place to place, trying to stay alive until he can finally become king. And that's where we find him on the run in the wilderness in 1 Samuel 23. Look with me at verse 7. Saul, that's King Saul, soon learned that David was in Kilah. Good, he exclaimed. We got him now. God has handed him over to me. Now let me just stop and do a step off here for a moment. There are times that we think God is with us, but God ain't with us. Saul thinks that God is with him. God ain't with him. Sometimes we can think that, oh, you know what? We can get bitter and angry. You're going to talk a little bit about that next week. We can get vengeful. We can become resentful against people. And you can become so twisted that you think what you're doing is God-ordained, and it's the farthest thing from God's plan. So you got to be careful not to let those things in. So Saul is struggling. Verse 8, so Saul mobilized his entire army to march 
to where David was. In verse 9, David learned of Saul's plan, and he told Abathar the priest to bring the ephod, which was what they used to discern the will of God. And he asked the Lord what he should do. David prayed this prayer. Lord of God of Israel, I've heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Kilah because I am here. Will the leaders of Kilah betray me to him? And, And will Saul actually come as I have heard? Oh Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. And then I like what, what David does here, because we've all done this. David's like, I don't like the answer to that prayer. I'm going to phrase it in a different way. None of us have ever done that, have we? We've never not liked the answer God gave us. And so he changes the question and asks it a little differently. Okay, let me ask it this way. Uh, will the leaders of Kilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yeah, they're, they're going to betray you. I want to talk to you about bad days and bad seasons. God, thank you for this moment we have to just open your scriptures. Thank you that your presence is here and that you're going to speak to every person that is gathered. We may hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, summers in Oklahoma, can we all agree, are just absolutely brutal. I mean, even I got up today and I'm like, why am I wearing a long sleeve shirt? I thought by now it's September, I could, bad move. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. It, the heat and the humidity, it's just not a whole lot of fun. I don't know why people move here on purpose, okay? I, I get we're born and raised here, but I don't know why you move here on purpose. And if it's not the heat and the humidity that gets you, it's the mosquitoes that will get you. Anybody, how many of you get eaten up by mosquitoes during the summer show of hands. You are my people, okay? That's me. I get eaten alive. How many of you, and this I just have never figured out, how many of you are exempt and you just like never get bites? Raise your hand. Curses on you, curses on you, curses on you. No, I'm kidding. This is crazy. I don't know how, how can you not get bites? Truthfully, It's so bad for me, I will walk out to the mailbox just to get the mail, walk back, my body is in motion the entire time, I will come in, I will have three bites on me. I don't know how that happens, but they just are attracted to me. Now, I had somebody tell me that what they're attracted to, what they do is they are attracted to your body odor. So if you have like really, really bad BO, they stay away from you. So just, just so you know, I'm, I'm messing with you. That's not true. But I did have a friend tell me, he said, Brad, you can take garlic, take garlic pills, and that'll keep them away. And so I did. I took garlic pills, and it worked. Three days later, mosquitoes were avoiding me, and so was everyone else, including my family, because it was coming out of my pores. My ent- I didn't know how to get rid of it. My entire body was smelling like garlic. It was just disturbing. I, it's so bad, I can't go anywhere. I mean, I wear, I wear um, mosquito repellent like it's cologne. I'm like, deep by Calvin Klein. I, was, I just, it's crazy. I, I itch. Anybody with me on this? Like, once you got a bite, I mean, it's like I live on cortisone. I have cortisone smoothies on tap at my house because I'm just itching like crazy all the time and it's and it's crazy how one tiny little bite can ruin your day 
It's just totally distracting. Like, I don't know how this happened, but I got a bite one time on my toe. I don't know how it bit me through my shoe. But then you're, you ever try to itch without anybody noticing it? You're like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do that weird face. Or you get the bite where you don't want to itch, so you kind of walk and you're just kind of like, like that, you know? It's like, oh, nobody saw that. Some of you are like, I can't believe he just did that in church. I brought a friend today. I'm sorry. He's, that's just disturbing. It's like, we're going to First Baptist next week. All right. But it's just crazy how one bite can, one tiny little thing can ruin your day. But isn't that true in life? One tiny little thing can take a perfectly good day and make it into a bad day. Like, come on, parents, you, you're having a great day, and out of nowhere, you get a call from the school. And you're like, ah, and you're having a great day, and now the rest of the day, all you're thinking about is when they get home, when they get home, when they get home. And if you're a student, same way, when I get home, when I get home, when I get home, I'm not going home. I mean, that's just, or have you ever been, like, scrolling through social media, just, you know, just, eh, just hanging out here, and then you're like, ah. Oh, and you see that one post or that one comment or somebody who commented on your post and you're like, I can't believe they said that. Or I can't believe that person posted. I am deleting that one. I don't know what. And next thing you know, all you're thinking about is that one little thing. Or you get a text. Or worse yet, you send out a text and somebody ghosts you and they don't text you back and all day long you're checking your phone. Why won't they text me back? Why won't they text me back? Why won't they text me back? Or sometimes it's just like a, it's not a little thing. Sometimes it's like a colossal outbreak. It's like they mosquitoes all over you. The other day I went out to mow and I backed our car out of the driveway and I looked down and there was the dreaded check engine light. That will ruin the rest of your day. I was talking with a, a friend this week. We were having coffee and he was telling me how a friend of his... Uh, got up, ate breakfast, went downstairs, and while they were downstairs, got finished eating breakfast, went back upstairs, and when they got to the top of the stairs, they, the carpet was wet. It was like, whoosh, whoosh. and they realized, I went to the bathroom before I went down to eat breakfast, and the toilet was continually running the entire time they were eating breakfast. That's a bad day. But can we all just be honest and know that it's, we can overcome those things, right? I mean, it's just a bad day. It's a bad moment. You can, you can take your car to the shop. You can get a shop vac. You can do all, I mean, you can do that. But what do you do when it's not just a bad day, but it's a, it's a bad season? Like when you go to the doctor and, and you're just having a routine exam and, and then the report comes back and that's not the report you were expecting and your life now is radically altered or maybe you get a call from the school and 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 it's it's not good suddenly you realize ah man do I hide this do I even let people know this is tough and as a student you're like do I do I hide this do I let people know the bad day is really a, a bad season where the it's not just the bill collectors, but it's uh, them showing up at your door and, and them garnishing your wages, or it's going to work and suddenly you hear the word cut back. And now it's not a bad day, it's, it's a bad season. Or, or you get the breakup text, and suddenly you are, you're alone again. And you wonder, is it always going to be like this? 
The enemy, as we've been talking about these first two weeks, the enemy is out to destroy you when you're in a bad season. He thrives in the bad season. This is the place where he tries to get you to give up, to walk away, to hit the eject button, to be a one-hit wonder. So what do you do when, as the song says, your, your blue skies have turned to gray and your passion has gone away and you're having, a, you're having a bad day? I think we can learn from David because David wasn't just having a bad day. He was, he was having a bad season. As we've already said he, he had killed the giant. He'd been in the palace. He had fought wars for Saul. And now suddenly Saul is out to kill him and he's on the run. He's hiding out in the wilderness. And not only is he hiding out in the wilderness, but now all of a sudden he's got Saul coming back after him because he's helped some people and suddenly things are going bad. Look with me at 1 Samuel 23, 13. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, left Kilah and they began, say this with me, what? Roaming. They began roaming the countryside. Think about this. Saul has mobilized not just a few people, the entire army of Israel. Thousands are coming against him. And in this moment, David's like, I got like 600 guys. And these are not trained soldiers. These are guys that are on the run like I am. They're hiding out in the wilderness for a reason as well. They're wanted men. They're criminals. They're misfits. They're wanderers. God, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I just helped those people. I was doing good. And they... Do you ever find yourself saying that? I find myself saying that. And where you're like looking around and you're like, I thought you had this was, I thought this was going to happen. I thought good was coming my way, and suddenly you find yourself in a, in a season of, of roaming like, like David here. I'm just roaming about, and for David, this could not have been a pleasant time. This had to be a disheartening time, roaming from place to place. It's like when your phone's in roaming. That's just irritating. You know, when you're in your own network, it's great, but if you travel out of your network and then it's trying to grab a signal from the tower, have you ever been there in roaming, you're looking down, you got like one little tiny bar, or you're on the phone with somebody and you're talking to them and you hear that beep, 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 you look down, drop call. So irritating. Or I was at um, the monastery for my prayer retreat earlier this year, and I don't know, I just wasn't thinking, I didn't realize monks don't use cell phones. Ha, who would have thought, you know, you don't have the latest iPhone, uh, you know. They don't. So I didn't realize they also, on their land, where they chose their land, there's not really any coverage. And so I was in my room, and I was trying to get coverage. And I, so I was standing up in, got up, you ever done this? Where you're like, I, got, I have to send this text. And you're looking, and finally, a bar. I got a bar. And you're like trying to send it. I looked down right at that moment, and there was a monk in the courtyard. And I was like, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Just praying, just praying, Father. Yeah, that's it. No. But it's so frustrating when you're in a season of roaming. David is in this season of roaming. And when you're in a bad season, it can just feel like you're stuck. Like it's just, where is God? Like I'm throwing up my prayers and is, am I even getting a signal here, God? Where, where are you? Is he, it feels like God is distant. It feels like you're just wandering and everybody around you has got a great signal. Nobody else is in roaming. Everybody else having their praise God for your job. Oh, praise God. Oh, your kids are doing awesome. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just be real in church? Sometimes it's frustrating to go to your core group. You don't want to go to your core group. Sometimes it's frustrating to say your praise report because you know the person next to you is not in 
a praise season. Your kid, something great happened for them or something great happened for you and on your campus or, man, you got the promotion at work and I remember how hard it was for a group of guys that I did life with for the longest time and I lost my job and one of the guys, he not only did he lose his job, but he got his new job just a few weeks afterwards. He only was out of work for like a couple of weeks. I was out of work for like two years. And I remember how hard it was for him to get together in that group because he just felt so guilty. It was so hard for him. But it's hard when you're in a season of roaming. And when you're in a season of roaming, and when you're in a season of wilderness, you just want out of that season. Anything to get out of that season. And I don't forget God doing anything in that season. Get me out. Every prayer, every prayer is get me out of this season because I don't want anything to escape. Anything I can do to escape, then we'll do just about anything to escape. Some of us will we'll kind of go and live in the past. We'll kind of, you know, do a little Uncle Rico thing. You know, I'm just going to live back here where things were great. I, I got a letter about our high school reunion, and we've been out of high school for a couple of decades and, and got a letter for our high school reunion. We only went to one. How many of you, you don't raise your hand, but you've been to a high school reunion, you know? You go there, and there's a lot of people done a lot of great things, but there's a lot of people that you're like, wow, you're still living in high school, aren't you? It's really weird when you go to that. And so I got the letter, and I'm talking Decades later, they're still going to party at the same barn we went to in high school. Like, and the guy who's planning the party is the same guy that was planning the parties in high school. I was just, and on there it said, be wild, buddy. I was like, oh, great, okay. So I showed up with my Bible. I was like, all right, let's go, bring it, guys. And they're like, oh, it's not that kind of party. My bad. All right, so. But it's just some people get stuck in the past. Some people, they get stuck in the future. They don't want to deal with the present reality, so they kind of just live here in this false reality of a future that doesn't exist and is probably not going to exist, but they don't want to deal with it here. If it's not that, then we want a, a shot of dopamine or something to make us feel better, at least for a moment, so we'll run out, we'll buy a shirt just to make us feel better so I can escape. Not that I've ever done that. I have a friend who did that. Maybe we'll uh, binge watch an entire season of whatever. Not that I've ever done that. I have a friend. Not that we, uh, we'll just go grab something out of the freezer, you know, like a scoop of vanilla ice cream with that Smucker's chocolate that gets hard-shelled when you put it over there and you pour it like two inches thick so you can have a good day. <laughs> I have a friend. I have a friend. I mean, we all have these things we do to try to escape. And if it's not that, you know, if, if it's not going to that, then you know what? It's, hey, you know what? I'll just spend the night with someone. And just at least for the night, I'll feel valuable and I'll escape what I'm dealing with here. Or I'll take something and I'll just take something so I can numb myself to the pain. Anything I can do to escape the day. So David here, he's roaming. We've all been in the season of roaming, but David's not roaming aimlessly. So that's what happens to us. We roam aimlessly to, to thing to thing, to place to place, just trying to figure out a way of escape. But David's not roaming aimlessly. This word roaming here is this idea like he's setting out and he's walking with purpose. Look, when you find yourself in a season of roaming, when you find yourself in a wilderness with no way out, you got to do like David. You got to set out and walk with purpose. Turn to somebody, tell them, walk with purpose. You got to walk with purpose and you got to walk on 
purpose. So look at David here. In verse 14, it says, David now stayed out in the, say this with me, strongholds of the wilderness. Come on, say this with me, strongholds of the wilderness. Now, what are the strongholds of the wilderness? The stronghold of the wilderness is this, in the area which David was, was this highly forest wooded area. It was so thick, it was difficult for the enemy to get through it. And in the midst of all that forest area were these natural cliffs that were about 100 feet high that created a stronghold where David could hide. Man, this is our God. This is what he does. When you feel lost, when the enemy is bearing down on you, there is a stronghold in the wilderness. Come on, turn to somebody, three people, fist bump them, encourage them and tell them there's a stronghold in your wilderness. There is a stronghold in your wilderness. There is a stronghold in your wilderness. I want to encourage you to write that down. Some of you are in a wilderness season right now. And that's the statement you need. There is a stronghold in my wilderness. I was so amped up about that this week. I texted Eric Hawkinson. I said, man, that is begging for a song to be written. I'm like, man, that sounds like a song to me. Man, there is a stronghold in the wilderness. This is what our God does. This is who he is and what he has for you. And what I love about this is that it was built and it was carved out by the hand of God. David didn't make it. People didn't make it. It was made by the hand of God, and it was created long before David would ever end up in that place. Think about that. God knew one day David is going to need a place of protection. One day David is going to need a place where he can be hidden from the enemy. One day David is going to need to be in a place where he feels safe. So I'm going to carve out a stronghold in the wilderness right here so when David enters into his wilderness, he will have a place. This is what God will do for you. This is what he will do for me. He is already ahead of you. He sees the trials, he sees the struggles, he sees the pain, and already he is carving out a stronghold in the wilderness for you. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's for you. It's for you. This is what our God does. This is who he is. This is his promise. I love this. David, he wrote so many psalms, and he wrote a lot of them while he was on the run. Wrote a lot of them while he was in the wilderness. And one of those that he wrote was Psalm 27. We don't know when he wrote it, when he was running from Saul, but it sure sounds a lot like this season. Look what it says in Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? David didn't write that on a good day. David wrote that not on a bad day. He wrote that in a bad season. Like when the sun wasn't shining, when Saul was bearing down on him, where there seemed no way of escape, he declared in faith, the light will shine. God sees me and his light will shine once again. You've got to get that so resolute in your soul. Like as a follower of Jesus, you've got to stand in that. Man, no matter what I see, no matter even if I can't, See, my God, he will shine his light. My God is salvation. What does that mean? My God is my deliverer. I don't know why there's 
thousands around me. I am completely surrounded. There's no way out. I got these 600 guys. They don't know how to do it. I don't have resources. I don't have the ability to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to cure this. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. I don't know if this is ever going to be right again in my family. I don't know, but man, I am trusting in my deliverer. I am looking to the stronghold in the wilderness. If you believe that, give God some praise today. Declare that today. He says, the Lord is my fortress. Say that with me. The Lord is my fortress. Say it like you mean it, man. The Lord is my fortress. He's my stronghold, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? Why should I be afraid? Like when it seems all hope is gone, there is a stronghold in this wilderness. Verse 2, he says, when evil people come to devour me. So think about when he's writing this. When evil people come to devour me. When the enemies and foes attack me. It reminds me of what we talked about last week. Peter, an apostle of, of Jesus, he wrote those words where he said, the enemy is like a roaring lion moving about, seeking whom he may devour. But David says this, they will stumble and they will fall. They will stumble and they will fall. Turn to somebody and say that with confidence. They're going to stumble and they're going to fall. They're going to stumble and they're going to fall. I just feel like today is one of those days where I just, I don't feel a lot of faith in this room. Didn't feel a lot of faith in the first service. I don't feel a lot of faith in this room. And I'm telling you, you need deliverance. And the only way you're going to get delivered is if the Holy Spirit penetrates your heart and your soul and you get it so deep in you that people are laughing at you in the way you're living your life. And you're like, my God will deliver me. My God will be faithful. My God, yeah, it's tough. It is rough. There ain't nothing going right right now in my life. I have no reason to have faith. I have no reason to declare the promises of God. And that is why I will, because that's how you know that our God is legit. God does not prove himself in the promises, he proves himself in the problem. Oh, now I am preaching up in here. He, he thrives, thrives in that place of brokenness. He thrives in that place where there is no way out, where you are destitute and you are lost. The enemy, we give him way too much credit. Way, way, way too much. Oh, the enemy is after me. The enemy is after me. Pray for me. The enemy is after me. And you know what sometimes is happening? All you're doing is you're living in defeat. You don't want prayer. Oh, now I'm preaching real in here. You don't want prayer. You just want to talk about the problem. I just want everybody to know how bad it is for me. Maybe somebody will at least give me a hug. <laughs> you don't need a hug. You need deliverance. You need the Spirit of God to penetrate your soul in such a way where you go, yeah. Oh, watch, watch me now. Watch me now. Watch what my God does now. I serve the God of the impossible. And guess what? You have to understand that. You serve the God of the impossible. He can get you out of the most impossible of situations. So you, right now, you think about how impossible the situation is that you are in right now. How hard it is, how difficult it is. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't see any way out. Woo, praise God, because you are set up for your miracle. Because the only one that can get the victory, the only one that can get the credit is God. 
Because when you have that, they're going, what happened? Wait, I thought you were going to die. I thought, you, I, I thought your family was upside down and your parents were going, I thought, I thought you were getting divorced. I thought that your job, I thought, yeah. Look at my God. I'm telling you, sometimes you just need to go to your high school reunion just so you can declare the goodness of God. Because I tell you, I show up at my high school reunion, they're going to be like, only God could do that. Because <laughs> I know the life I'm living, and I know where I stand, and I know what God has brought me through, and I know what he has delivered me from. And when you, when you have seen God deliver you from the impossible, you can stand in the impossible. But if you have not allowed God to deliver you from the impossible, nothing is ever possible. Somebody needs to tweet that right now. That is good. That is good. Verse 2, when evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and they will fall. Verse 3, though a mighty army surrounds me, Saul has got him surrounded, and he says this, let's say it with conviction, my heart will not be afraid. He says, even if I'm attacked, even if the bill collectors come, even if the pink notice happens, even if I get the text that says call as quickly as you can, and you make that call, and it's not good. Even in the midst of that, even when I'm attacked, even when I'm alone, say this with what? I will remain confident. I will remain confident. That is what sets followers of Jesus apart from everybody in the world because we have an inner confidence despite our outward circumstances. Everybody else looks to the outward circumstances for their confidence. And that's why their confidence is constantly shaken. But a follower of Jesus doesn't look to outward circumstances. A follower of Jesus looks to inward, inward confidence. Oh, I don't care what's happening around me. Oh, hell is breaking loose. Well, my God will rain heaven down on hell. I declare that in Jesus' name, and I will stand in that. Man, my, my, my children will serve the Lord. My parents will serve the Lord. I will be delivered. I will see that dream and that promise of God come to fruition in my life. I will not be alone the rest of my life. God has somebody for me, a godly person for me. I will conquer this no matter what. Failure, I don't care. I'll fail. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to go again. Fail, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to go again because I have an inner confidence despite my outward circumstances. How do you have that? This is the thing. David, his confidence was not in the, the, the fortress. It, it was not in the stronghold. His confidence, if you go back in that scripture, his confidence, he says, the Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my stronghold. Is Jesus your stronghold? Jesus, is he your stronghold? Because Jesus is the stronghold in the midst of my wilderness. That's what I stood on forever. No matter what wilderness I'm in, Jesus, you are my stronghold. And we said, what this is who Jesus was. He came. He left heaven and he came into our wilderness to dwell among us. The stronghold walked among us. Us. I, I love this story. I want to invite the band to come and the worship team, if you guys would come. The, I love this story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Some of you know that story. Jesus is, he's, goes to this well and he meets this woman and, and she's from, a, she's from the, a backwoods town that nobody wants to associate with. And she's all alone. And when she's all alone, what that means is nobody wants to associate with her. She's, she's an embarrassment to her community, so she has to go when nobody else will 
will go. And, and Jesus is talking with her, come to find out she's, she's had, not only had six husbands, so she's jumping from bed to bed to bed to bed for value and worth and value and worth, and now she's not, the guy she's got isn't even her husband. They're, he's just using her, but she needs to feel valued. Just wants to feel valued. By the way, ladies, you do not have to get in a bed with a man to feel valued. I just want to tell you, you do not have to get in a bed to feel valued. She looks at Jesus like, okay, so you're going to take advantage of me too? What, do you, what, are you going to, what do you want from me? Every other guy's. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I don't want something from you. I got something for you. And they start having this conversation. He says, I, I've got living water for you. And she looks around at her impossible situation. And she looks around at the wilderness she's in, and she suddenly, her eyes are opened. That this man is different, that he's the Messiah. He's the chosen one of God. He knows me, and he's entered into my wilderness. And I, I'm broken, and I'm lost, and I'm lonely, and he's suddenly making me feel value and worth. This is what God will do for you. This is what Jesus wants to do for you. Whatever it is that you need, he has got it. Run to that. What are you running to? What's your stronghold? Where are you going to to try to get it fixed? I'm telling you, run to Jesus. Talk to him about it. Man, my confidence has been rocked, Lord. Confidence is rocked. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he says, let me fill you full of confidence. You need mercy, you need grace. He says, I'm gonna come right into that middle of that wilderness. I'm gonna surround you with my grace and my mercy. Man, God, I don't deserve it. I, I mean, after look at what I've done, the people I've hurt, the things that have happened, he's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to come out of your wilderness for me to love and accept you. I'm gonna come into that wilderness of shame and brokenness and hurt and heartache and brokenness, and I am, I'm gonna surround you with my love. I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal you when you feel hopeless he says i am going to be your hope you go back to the story in first samuel 23 it says saul hunted him day after day this is your promise god didn't let saul find him when you feel pressed on every side there is a stronghold in the wilderness Stop trying to be delivered from your wilderness. God's going to do that. But right now, when you're in the midst of the wilderness, just cry out to him, God, I need you to be the stronghold. And let him come in and let him build up those walls high and the forest high around you where the enemy cannot get at you. And he says, I will guard over you. I will protect you. And I will keep you until the day that I deliver you. He delivered David, set him on the throne, and he will do that for you as well. This is our God. Father, we ask right now you would be our stronghold. God, I just sense in this place today that faith is weak. Faith is broken and fear is abounding. And I pray against fear in Jesus' name. And I pray that faith will replace fear. I pray that the spirit of the living God will come into this place and overwhelm all of us where our faith is will rise in Jesus' name.